this microphone look like my dick? <laughs> I'm loving it. Is that seriously how we're starting? Try to make. What the hell are you doing? I wish we had video for this. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We Terry. have to have video for that. Yeah. Terry, don't move. Yeah, Terry, don't move. Don't move, Terry. So, <laughs> just hold it. So, we're, 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 we're going to post this. Yeah, this is going to be posted with the release of the mailbag episode, Wait, right? I'm going to video it. Well, don't release the video until. Oh, fuck, your back's cramping up just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, new. Come on. New mic. RB, RBG Yogi would be really proud of you right Don't now. <laughs> robot dick. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, God damn. It's beginning to look a lot like dickmas. You know, Dan, we're a classy fucking show. and you We just spent for... 30 seconds with Terry trying to do it. Make our new shiny new. Welcome to the special. We're gonna do our second mailbag episode right now. Uh, on the heels of that opening, it's absolutely fantastic. We actually had a uh, cold open ready for you guys, um, but uh, we got totally distracted by Terry's robot dick and Dan singing about Dickmas. Yeah. So um, as the classy most wonderful time of the year, as the classy one that yeah you know what we'll post that when this comes out. It's amazing. Um, I wanted to uh, to flip it around on you guys normally. We ask ourselves a bunch of questions with the mailbag episode. Normally, we uh, we have a topic that we want to talk about, or we're just ranting about craft beers, one or the other. Um, but uh, I wanted to ask the people out there a question, and I wanted to reward you guys to see um, who gave us the best answer. Uh, and so on mailbag episode three, which we're going to hit in about three months, we'll announce the winner. We need you guys to write in and let us know... Um, when it comes to the three people on It's Mimic, Dan, Terry, and myself, Adam, uh, which 5e class represents us the best? Which 5th edition race represents us the best? Which background? Which spell? <coughs> There's Dan's fucking coffee. I almost got I almost got a picture of him coughing yeah. as well. I was going to shame you. All right. I've been cutting baseboard for two days. My I am in the middle just, of doing a thing, Dan. It's just destroyed. Nobody cares about your throat except maybe Terry's robot dick. And I... I my baker's dozens worth of fans care about my cough. Fifth ed class, <laughs> fifth ed race, fifth ed background, spell, and monster. Which one represents us? And you can't say mimic. We already know that we're mimic. Okay. No. So you guys sent it in, and we're going to sit down and vote on who had the best answer for the other guy. Mm-hmm. So Terry and I will vote on which one was the best answer for Dan, yep. who had the best answer for Terry, and then you two will, will vote. With, and with that's, the that's the race class... Monster, monster, spell, spell, and background, and background. Ooh. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna try to put a vote together, and uh, we're gonna come up with a bunch of little prizes, and the winner can choose for a total or for each of the five categories. No, a total. We're because I mean, there's gonna be ties. We're gonna need to do tiebreakers. Yeah, fair enough. So, uh, and we'll announce it. And so we're gonna do this. Our very first giveaway. We're not going to uh, post the details on Instagram. You got to come listen to the episode. <laughs> so all four of you that give a crap will have the opportunity to write in. Let us know, um, and you can uh, you can post it publicly on Instagram, or you can send us a message at uh, it's a mimic at gmail or info at it's a mimic dot com. Yeah. So those are our two email addresses. Um, and also, if you want to tell us who is. Uh, Going to be which Ninja Turtle, Power Ranger, Pokemon, Sailor Scout, Planeteer, Avenger, member of the Justice League. Are we Jet, uh, Jedi, Sith, or uh, neither? Which Star Trek alien is Dan? 
which Harry Potter house are we? Which Game of Thrones house are we? Any answers. of this stuff. Thundercat. Your Thundercat? I got answers to all of this. Yeah, absolutely. Let what us 80s know. What cartoon are we? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let us know what you think, who we are. And honestly, we all know that Dan is, uh, is going to be Sailor Mercury. I don't. I always felt like I was more of a Jupiter. I don't. You don't. You don't have the personality for it. Is this an anime? <laughs> it's yes. It's an it's an anime. anime? Yeah, anime. 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 Let's roll the credits. Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry. Beautiful. All right. So, what are you doing? <coughs> I'm gonna Jesus. I learned a I learned a spinning back kick just to do it on you if you cough during this episode. <laughs> put the oh, put the die down. I would no. I was gonna grab it because we got to roll for initiative. For we're sure. not we're not rolling for initiative. I'm the DM. Last time Terry was the DM and he chose oh. what order we're doing it. So right. I'm the DM. Danny, you're gonna pick first any one of the black, red, or white dice. The way that this works for those of you that missed Mailbag episode one is we have three random tables. Each uh, table has twenty randomized questions. From people that have written in, and uh, we're going to randomly choose which dice and roll for it, and then we're going to try to answer the questions as we go. All right, um, I will go for with the black one. Okay, let's do it. Come on, Dan. Do you want me to read it out loud for the people? A fourteen. Fourteen. Adam, are you reading this? Or am I reading this? Adam's no, no, left. Terry. Adam's left. So black dice. Fourteen. <laughs> am I saying who? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, Adam's brother Dave asks. Uh, what are you guys' favorite zero-level spell? Uh, what's the most creative thing you've ever done with it? Dan, go uh, A so zero-level spell is not a real thing. They're cantrips. They're cantrips now, yeah. But yeah. He's, he only plays 3.5. Oh, okay. So he, so he calls them zero-level spells? Totally. Well, what's your favorite cantrip? Um, I, f- funny enough, I really do love uh, uh, Shillelagh. Okay. Um, it's, it's a great little... Uh, Screw you button for uh, bards specifically. Uh, I mentioned it in previous podcasts. I had the one bard who played a violin, and anytime anything got a bit too close, yeah. But it's a druid only cantrip, so you have to dip in. You have to dip into either druid or or warlock or uh, or you or you have to use your magical or, secrets or you use your magical secrets for it, which is a great way because like it 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 uh, balances on character level rather than because it's cantrip rather than the spell level itself. So I've always loved Shillelagh. Nice. Terry? Me? Well, I'm a grown-ass man, so I don't use cantrips. Adam! <laughs> no, I like... If you don't use cantrips, you're playing the game wrong. <sighs> Do you know what? I just, like... I don't know if I have a favorite, really. Mage Hand, I guess? Ah, this is my go-to. You get creative with that, right? Yeah. yeah. When, yeah when you're right and left, stop working, you just use the Mage Hand? I guess that's exactly... <laughs> Dan's doing this now. See, yeah, Dan's I'm going to jump us. on this. Okay, that's your warning. If you do another, if you do another, in you end trying to be funnier than us, Dan, we're gonna fucking cut you we're down. Cut you with your own mate. It's down. question one, Dan. <laughs> we have nineteen more to go. If he, makes, if he does another sexually suggestive answer, Adam, I'm jumping all over it. Okay, I'm not holding over myself. All over. Yeah. Oh, oh, that was, whoa, whoa, that whoa. was close, Dan. <laughs> shut your mouth. Now that might seem like Sorry. a might seem like a boring answer, but I'm going with Mage Hand. Um, I'm gonna say uh, for my warlocks out there, Elder's Blast. I mean, yeah. that, that shit goes, it gets out of control at higher levels when you start to pack all your invocations on top of it. Okay, so that was your underhanded pass. What's the overhanded? Because that was a gimme. That was a really easy answer. Okay. All right. No, just Elder's Blast. It's the most overused cantrip just because it's the most yeah, powerful. But May chance, yeah, but Yeah, but, but the other thing about it, too, is it's force damage. And nobody takes that into consideration. Nothing is immune to force damage if fit that. Yeah. Right? So get... that's why I like it. And, like, the thing is, any 
anyone could get Eldritch Blast. You just take even that one uh, uh, Magic Initiate feat at a yep. level four, and you get uh, Eldritch Blast. I mean, you're not you're never going to do what a Warlock could do with it with their invocations adding on, but you're still going to be dropping, you know, three rays at one d ten. I mean, honestly, for creativity purposes, I would I would say Prestidigitation or Thaumaturgy. Right? There's a lot of fun you can have with either of those, but Eldritch Blast. You are still, you can be level 20 and casting that shit, especially as a warlock. Yeah. And it is still relevant. And with mm-hmm. the invocations, uh, what are they, uh, what's the book with the invocation? I think it's, it's in like Warren Canaan's or Xanthar's or something where you can, you can pull them towards you 10 feet or you can push them away from you 10 feet. Yeah. So now you're using reactions, you're pushing them off cliffs. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's very, uh, versatile. Oh yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that, that's my answer. Good answer, Dan. Good you're not Dan, you're Adam. Good answer, Adam. I am warned. That's your warning, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, roll the, roll the goddamn die. Terry. Is it me? Yeah, yeah it's your turn, man. I'm going to go. I'm going to go white. Oh, splendid. Five. Five. I'm going to read it for Dan, you. Dan, you read for me. Does that At, mean Adam then has to read for himself? Yeah. <laughs> At Roar2388. Oh, that's my friend. <laughs> asks, how long does it take Terry to describe the look of his PC's hair? Fucking wanker. <laughs> uh, Forever. So for funny. fucking for, ever. That's my God. Multiple sessions. Oh, my God. It's at least 20 minutes at the beginning what of every session. What was the session. question? What did Rory ask? How long does it take Terry to describe the look of his PC's hair? Um. <laughs> okay, I know what he's doing. He's making fun of me, obviously. But uh, is it deserved? I feel like I do a pretty good job of describing yeah. NPCs. Yeah, I, so, I would I would say that my favorite thing you do a lot of like hand movements with fingers and stuff. Yes, you're very expressive. Spells. It's not good for a podcast. But <laughs> no, but but when you're casting spells, it's really good. Yeah. The other thing that you did all the time is you describe your breath more than any other character or any other player that I've ever got. What, and I don't just mean like your coffee breath because that was your ongoing <laughs> joke for a while. Dan, so, so, so it's not just a coffee breath. You're also like, oh, I get, I get right in his face and I speak. And when, when I say the P, it's just like spittle that comes out. And like, you were just very all about like the mouth and the breath. And exactly. And I, I, I appreciate that as, as a DM more so than your hair. That's. Thank you, Adam. Dan, what's, Dan, what's, do you what's Terry's? Mine or the NPC's hair? When, when you introduced uh, Azrael to the group, mm. like, uh, the whole introduction of him, like standing up in this little, like, cleft that he was standing in as a as the party was running forward um and you just went into this diatribe of like what this guy looked like and instantly like you know every single like attitude of this guy just by how you're describing you do a very good job of that character and npc is kind of where you excel and where you embrace in this game so like uh you do it very well and you spend an inordinate amount of time on Azrael's hair so thank you it, it made yeah Thank you. I'm good at describing things. Unfortunately, I'm actually not very good at playing Dungeons and Dragons, and I die a lot. You do. You do. Well, that's what happens when you try to solo a Death Tyrant. Yes. <laughs> or a T-Rex previously. You've done this a lot. In my defense, <laughs> I did not want to solo the Death Tyrant. <laughs> or the T-Rex, I think. <laughs> or the t- and I was forced to go down to face the Death Tyrant by myself, and everybody else had... I guess they didn't abandon me. They had just left before I had to come back. So. I think you just went first for the only time ever in an initiative against yeah. the T-Rex. And I'll never do it again. No. no. I'll, I'll, hold my action. Right? I'm going to be using negative dexterity modifiers now. <laughs> and you got caught in a bad situation with the death, with the death tyrant. Yes, I yeah. was next to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to roll the red die. Okay. What do I get? 
Five. Do you want me to read it for you? No, you I'll read it? it. You guys each had a turn, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> At Graham the Writer. Oh, hey, Graham. How's it going? Oh, hey. We, we play with him on uh, Dan's church. Oh, yeah. Andy, so. Hi, Graham, as we say in England. Uh, Graham <laughs> asks, uh, is there any D&D source material you abjectly refuse to use in your campaigns and character creation? If so, what and why? Hmm. That's a pretty good question. Um, Dan, do you want to... Well, you rolled the dice, my dude. I know, so I got to choose the question. I'm DMing. You answer first. I hate you. Um, <laughs> uh, what do I object to for th- for five E? Not much. Is there are there any rules that you like? Do not play with, and why? You say I'm not going to play with this shit. I don't want it. Um, I will refuse to use the unearthed arcana, but just because they're not uh, properly balanced. That's and- fair. Um, unless the player makes a good point, or I could trust them with playing a little bit more overpowered of a character, but not flaunting that power. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll stray away from the Unearthed Arcana. Back in the days of 3-5, like, and even Pathfinder in the, in the later ends, it was very much a, you're playing core and nothing else. Because everything else is just fluff, and I cannot possibly handle it. 5e hasn't reached that point where there is that yet. Um, it's really been able to hold off of bloat. It is. Right? Um, the Artificer class is coming out sometime soon. It's in the current Unearthed Arcana. Um, That's not guaranteed that it'll come out. I mean, the Unearthed Arcana, for those of you that don't know, is um, Wizards of the Coast. They release it online. There's, it's usually a PDF. It's about four or five pages at most. And it breaks down a new rule, a new class, a new technique or spell or something. It's always a little bit different. Um, and it's meant to be used and play tested, and then they want feedback. Yeah. The stuff that they've liked up until this point has gone into Xanathar's. Mm. So I'm assuming there's another book coming eventually with another... Oh, yeah, probably. But, but there's a lot of stuff that didn't make it. Um, and even as it stands right now with the Artificer class specifically, I probably wouldn't allow my players to roll with that because it's it brings in concepts into D&D that I'm not a huge fan of. I don't like guns. I don't like uh, a lot of high tech in my fantasy like there's not elevators in my worlds so um yeah that's my answer terry me uh i honestly i don't think at this point for me my dm in korea i would shut anything down i like to experiment i like to try new things so i like me personally i would be open to trying a world with artificers and gunslingers and i'd give it a go i'd try it out uh, and then decide from there what I wanted to do with it. But I don't think I would shut it down just because on paper it seems unbalanced. Um, I'd actually try and play with it first. Okay. Um, I For me, I mean, everybody always says I don't want to play with the deck of many things. I love the deck of many things. Um, but I can't stand Wish. Mm, yeah. Right? Well, and the fact, the fact that you get, like, 1d3 Wishes as a single card, like, you don't even earn it. You just happen upon it. Mm-hmm. 1d3 wishes is insane. So, I mean, I've homebrewed a rule um, so that we have minor wish, so it can affect a certain level of thing. So, you know, open your mind, do whatever you want, up to this level, and DM can say no. Mm-hmm. Because you- wish very much just says... Yeah, whatever you say is now rules is written, right? Yeah, and and you you also have a tendency uh, or uh, uh, way in your game that you've removed uh, certain resurrection spells because you want death to matter more. You you've removed planar travel because of story reasons, but also because it makes the travel of the world matter more as well, and the and the exploration matter more. Like these are other concepts you're bringing in. Yeah, but when it hits tier four play, I tend to kind of pull back on that a little bit. Yeah. I like I I love low level play. 
I really love Tier 1. You know some? I have never really played Tier 1. Dan has left. Uncle Terry, do you have anything you'd like Dan to Dan has left. Yeah, actually, I do have a social media tip if anyone would like to hear it. I, I want to hear. Okay, so, um, people, just before Adam finishes his answer here, uh, I would like to introduce you to, uh, for those of you out there in the dating world, you're looking for love in your life or love for a night, I would like to introduce you to the concept of catfishing. Now... Catfishing. I am coming Wait, back to the table. No, 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 I need to hear this. This, this is important for no, me personally. Okay, so catfishing is often looked down upon or frowned upon, but you know what? There's a reason that people do it. Now, there's two There's two ways you can do catfishing, friends. Um, you can choose an image of a person uh, that you don't know or from somewhere on Google or online or from another uh, Instagram page or what have you and upload it onto your Tinder account. Or, I mean, this is my personal favorite way, you can take a picture of yourself from years past when you looked much better and you can use that as your picture on your dating app um, because technically that is not a lie. Yes, the people will feel deceived when you get to the date or the hookup as people are calling it these days. However, it's technically not a lie and to be honest, they're probably going to do that as well. So, catfishing, give it a go. Is it catfishing if you manipulate the light and the angles and you're wearing slimmer clothing and you've dyed your hair. And these are the questions, Adam, that we need to be asking in the world. At what point does it become catfishing? So, answers on a postcard uh, or Instagram, because I'm not going to read a postcard and I'll never tell you where I live. No one knows what a postcard is anymore. At what point does it become catfishing? Dan? I I do not support any of this conversation. Okay. Well, it is your turn to roll dice. All right, so I will turn. roll dice. Sorry for the cough, guys. Um, I'll go red. What do we get? I cease. Six. Uh, totally lek. To- totally why lek. Totally y l e k asks, "What do you think is the best level to do one shots at?" Five. Next question. Why? <laughs> no, that wasn't the question. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't yeah, the question. Why five? Why five? Um, because you have enough. Uh, you've gotten your third level ability. Your fighters have your two attacks. Your um, spellcasters are usually dipping into their third level spells by this point. Like you have uh, that one level of power where you kind of feel powerful. Like before earlier levels, you kind of are scrambling to feel powerful. Mm-hmm. Level five is where you start feeling like you can actually take on the world a little bit. That's when that first feeling is. And that's the one I like to embrace. It's also where as a DM, a lot of the cool monsters, if you have a party of four level five characters, you could throw in some really cool, unique monsters at that level, and you're not going to wipe mop the floor with them. Terry? So five. Hmm. I'd say for new players, five, because to go any higher than that, I think for a table full of new players, there's a lot to take on. There's abilities, they get confused that uh, it's, it's going to slow the gameplay down. So for new players, five. For more experienced players, eight to ten. You know, you've got some interesting abilities at that point. It'd be an interesting group dynamic. Uh, there's a little bit more you can play with, but for one shot, it's not going to be too much for a DM to handle. It stays fluid and it stays fun. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm kind of on the same page with you guys. I say that for maybe not new players, for new players, a one shot should be level three. Right? Yep. Um, yeah. you, you have Just your first class feature. Me. You kind of get a feeling yep. of the difference between a wizard and a fighter at that point. <laughs> but, um, I prefer level seven. Uh, personally, is right before everybody gets their second um, ability score increase. You have a couple of subclass features, so you can actually test out what the difference is between cleric domains or um, sorcerer origins or whatever it is. So you, you're getting a little bit more because you're never going to play those. 
But if you're playing with an experienced group that trusts each other and this is just a one-off because one person's away, man, go level 14. I think you yeah. get most of your, if not all of your class or your subclass features by then. And, uh, and you are finally starting to be real heavy hitters. And you can just throw a siege at a bunch of level yeah, 14 characters. You can do really fun Yeah, stuff that stuff you can't stuff. do. Yeah. yeah, my only problem with running a level 14 uh, one-shot is it's a one-shot. It takes time to build a level 14 character. Well, that's that's what I like about level 7 is you can whip that up, especially with D&D Beyond. That takes you 20 minutes, mm-hmm. right? Especially if you've got some experience under your belt. Um, but even a new player can roll up a level 7 character. There's really not that much reading in the player's handbook to do with that. Yeah. Uh, however, I like level 14 better. You just have the ability to do some crazy spells. You got a cough, Dan? I can't get this thing. Dan's having a rough one today. Quick, someone look this up on WebMD. Let us know what's going on. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's been coughing for six months. <laughs> so, so I, yeah, I guess that's my answer. Did we all go? Terry, that's it. That's it. Your turn? Oh, is it my turn to choose? Mm-hmm. I, what did I go for last time? I went with uh, you white. Ahead. I'll go... I'm going to go red. Ooh, three reds in a that's row. three reds in a row. That's yeah. how I like it, though. Uh, Eleven. Oh, here's another one for okay. Terry specifically. For me specifically... At Newt Lab, oh. N-O-O-T-L-A-B. I don't know that person. I don't know asks that. Terry. Hello. Um, and they're calling back specifically when we ran the Wizard Tower. Right. Um, will you, specifically you, Terry, will I? do an actual play? Um, for a one shot? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I could do. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be open to doing that. I think it's just, uh, there's... I don't know. Life, isn't it? Life, everything's lots going on. We've got a lot going on with the podcast. We try to do different things. It's not that I'm opposed to it. I maybe would do a one-shot. I probably wouldn't do an actual play campaign um, because that's a big commitment. And uh, I don't like commitment. <laughs> Just being honest with you. Uh, because I might get bored after a few weeks and I'll be like, fuck it, hell, everyone's waiting for you to do this campaign. Awesome. So I've decided I want to do. But three hours of my attention, you can have that. So uh, yeah, I might do that for you. Yeah, what do you want? Tell me what. Tell me what kind of campaign you want. Cool. Um, with, there was one a, shot, not campaign. Yeah, th- no, there there was a specific book in three point five. I think Terry would be all over. It's the book of erotic. Oh, God, Lord, yes. Yeah, what what, what is it? Uh, I, I, come on, Dan. This got to be on the tip of your tongue. It, it's <laughs> I, 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 I gotta I gotta look it up. Uh, the book of book erotic of fantasy. You can't like? just yeah. say the solitary might need to. It's a book of erotic ellipses. Just leave it there. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm looking up the book of erotic glass sculptures. Um, book of erotic. Uh, it's the book of erotic fantasy, and it was it was pretty infamous for a little while. Okay. But, it, but it teaches you how to like what are the mechanics for sex, and uh, oh, like, it's God. got all sorts of crazy stuff in there. It was. I don't think it was. I think it was actually published by... Wood. No, it was third party. Was it third party? Fairly certain it was third party, but what, it was for like, very if you, popular. Oh, if you're doing that in your D&D game. You yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I can... I don't know if I can and like that. tips and tricks to run an erotic D&D session. Oh my God. Uh, it, this was a hardcover published book. It, yeah, it was a hardcover published book, and it came out when like me and my friends were like 13, so we looked through it, giggled a bunch, and then continued playing our Dungeons and Dragons game, not bringing Yeah, I don't game. know if I want... Who's, who's going to show up to the table for those kind of games? This is it? Adam. <laughs> Adam. 100% Adam. <laughs> uh, Adam. <laughs> Adam in full gimp suit. Like, it'll happen. Hey. Hey. 
Half gimp suit. <laughs> the bottom half or top half? <laughs> just you top don't half. want the answer to that just, question. Just Donald ducking it on the bottom. You know, he just wears a t-shirt. It's a three-quarter gimp and imp. <laughs> Fantastic. If you actually want to hear Terry DM an actual play, go back to our special about the Wizard's Tower. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it was like four and a half hours long, and Terry, I think you were DMing about an hour and a half of that. I was exhausted by the end, but yeah. Guys, if you really want me, Newt Lab, just one of you out of thousands, if you, do, if you want me to run a one-shot, look, I'll try and make it work. Tell me what kind of one-shot you want. Where do you want it? You know, space, underdark, whatever. Uh, we'll see what we can do. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to roll the black die. What did I get? Nine. 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 Okay, what does that say? Nine. Uh, nine says, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. It's an all-natural 20, isn't it's it? It's definitely an all-natural 20. <laughs> Hold on to your hats. I'm going to take a wild guess. You, I, I just want to pause real quick. Buckle you up. We're probably going to be talking about dicks. haven't honored the question from the last mailbag. Yeah, you owe them. Uh, you owe them. What? You have to shake it like Pooh Bear. We need a video of that when this you. comes out. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah we're, we're putting the pressure on you now. Okay, look. The, the masses have Fine. requested it. The masses. <laughs> it's five or six girls that make dick jokes. I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't count as masses. All right, Pepperina. Okay. Oh, let's give her let's give her a uh, handle a shower. Pepperina AN20 asks, if you all woke up with boobs one day, what would you do? Oh my god, god damn. I already have boobs. Can I just like can I just set this aside? I don't know. I like I just, <laughs> I, I honestly don't I would feel here's my here's a serious answer. I'd probably feel inconvenienced, okay? It's not like I'd be like I won't be like, oh, oh just, shit, now I need a bra. I'm not I'm not 15. I won't be like I just lie in bed all day feeling my tits. I know what tits feel like. I'm 31 years old. <laughs> Oddly enough, they've come up in my life every now and again. I just feel inconvenienced. Like it's not oh, something you killed Dan. It's you not some Dan you are. <laughs> I'm 31. It's not something <laughs> they've come up once or twice in my life. It's not something I've ever desired to have. In fact, I remember <laughs> I have looked at poops before. Don't end the soundbite there. I've looked at poops before and thought, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that. And it's so good. Just oh my God, the back problems that I assume that oh I would have. With the... Anyway, no, no, no. But you're not answering the question properly. Oh. You, you think about this. Skirt around it. If you all woke up with boobs, oh, what would you do? We'd all just sit here with the shirts off and look at them, right? Like, yeah. hey, not... here's a pick of the what? All right, Dan's ears are lopsided. What's going on? I don't know. This? I feel like I'd have to tell me I go, I'm sick to death of these tits. And also, it's weird now when the other people in the world who want me to play with their tits is not happening a whole lot right now. <laughs> tell us more, Terry. <laughs> Oh my God. Like, I love how the all-natural twenties question starts. It's been a rough week. It's been a rough week. It's been a rough week. If you would like to send Terry some tips, look. <laughs> I've seen and felt tits before. I'm not going to be overly fascinated by them, but that's my answer. Oh, we had sexual position last one. We had to, all right. You know, I'm, this is completely oh off the rails. Whose turn is it? I think it's mine. Dan, right. it's mine. What are you doing? I'm going black dice. Do this. Foa. Four at demonic underscore dyls dills. Oh, demonic dills. They they gave us one last time. Did they? Yeah, yeah. I've said that username before. I uh, talked to them on Instagram. Uh, they want uh, so demonic dills wants to hear Seven about uh, missing the boundaries or having mechanics rules for RP purposes and fun. Although I'm not sure what that means. Say it again. Say it so, one more time. He wants to hear about missing or she. I don't know. Wants to hear about missing the boundaries or having mechanics rules 
for RP purposes and fun. Let me have a look. So are we? I think he's asking um, like rewards for your players doing good RP. Uh, like mechanics for for good role playing. I mean, the mechanics are are in there. That's your most of your charisma. Well, I I, I like skills, what right? we do with our other with our main games where we have uh, our inspiration, inspiration dice. dice that you gift oh. other players. Across. Does it mean like the DC boundary? Like if you just miss it. Oh, oh, there we go. You know, All right. Having oh. mechanics rules for RP purposes and fun. Like I I don't I don't put a uh, a. Uh, mechanical twist on this, but I kind of break down what an AC is. If you're doing an attack and you a miss... A DC, not an AC. Oh, yeah, an actual <coughs> No, AC. specifically an AC. So, 10 up, because uh, this, this is going to sound terrible. Is it 8 or 10? It's 10 still, right? Because it used to be 8. For what? your base AC. 10 plus dex, it's right? 10 yeah. plus dex, yeah. Spell DCs are 8 plus, and it yeah. throws me off every time. You're right. So, uh, if you roll under a 10, you're straight up missing this person. 10 is their physical body. Now you throw on their dexterity, and that's their ability to move around. They're asking a role play. Hear right. me out. So that's their ability to move around. So if you hit that certain point for there, you're going to be able to describe how this shot is missing, depending on what number you roll, based off their AC. Right? So if you roll like a 15 on the rogue, and it misses, it's probably because you hit their armor. Right? Not necessarily because they dodged it, but because you hit their armor. So you could do the whole, in RP, it glances off a shoulder plate or it uh, nicks along the inside as you try to move to the All side. right, so you're talking description. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm talking thinking... description. The hard mecha- mechanics I don't do. Oh, then you're saying, but then you're kind of giving the hint to them. You almost succeeded. You almost, like they almost got close. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, or you almost got close, right? And that's, yeah, if they're attacking a monster. I'm with you. And you roll a 18, and the monster's AC is a 19, and you just barely miss. Well, it hits the armor and bounces off. I know what you're saying. I will, I'm going to give my answer based on DC um, for things like... Adam, what you do is great. Uh, like, if it's an acrobatics check because you're trying to jump over a wall, if in your mind the DC is, like, 15 and they get 14, something that you do is you'll say, okay, you make it onto the wall, but you have no more movement. Yeah. You kind of play it like that. Yeah. Where it's kind of like a, it's a compromise. It, it's the yes but or the no and, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Um, but that's within reason, too. And I tend not to be like plus five, minus five. I tend to just half it. Yeah. If it's a D, if it's a DC 18 and you roll under a nine, the answer is straight up no. Yeah. If it's 10 to, to 18, uh, sure, you do it, but not as well as you want to. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, a lot of the times what I will do in social scenarios, you guys will have seen this, is you try to do something, and, oh, I'm going to persuade them. I rolled a 12. Okay. You try to persuade them to get a free drink. Not only do you get a free drink, but now they're very interested in you. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, this blew that. up in your face, you're, yeah. but you're going to get more role-playing out of it, even though you failed. Yeah. Right? So... It depends about how much fun you want to have. The other thing I'd say about this is there's sometimes where it's where it's just not appropriate. If you got a bunch of people hanging off the side of a cliff, battling spiders as they're hanging off of ropes and stuff, and somebody's making an acrobatics check to do a backflip around a spider, and they miss by like three, then just say oh, you land on the spider and you move on. Right, tension is high. People are interested. Yeah. Now's not the time to be like, "Well, your foot managed to slip on a loose piece of granite, and you went <laughs> managed to flip three quarters of the way around, but your left hand flailed out and smacked the side of some clay that was tagging." No, 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 no. Watch your pacing. 
Yeah. Right. And yeah. I think that's that's a key point for this yeah. as well. I, I one thing I want to add, uh, just judging off what you said there, the the yes and the no, but or uh, you succeed, but that person was very interested in you. What I like to do is if it's not clear whether they passed or failed, I think I've talked about this before. If you get the twelve or the thirteen, if you're like say trying to persuade someone or trying to deceive them, they might just go, Okay, look you up and down and walk away. And you're like, Did do they believe me? Yeah. You don't know. Maybe yeah. they did, but you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's totally yeah. fair. Uh, the other thing that I like to do is if you're close enough with the role, I will stop and say, how do you do it? Right? Describe to me your social encounter. Yeah. And if you can impress me, if you're... Impress if, me. Yeah. If you're inspired, I'll push you over so that it'll, it'll succeed. Yeah. And I mean, there is a slight mechanic in there where the DM could kind of add to or take to... I don't even think that. I'm like, you know what? It's a DC 16. You rolled a 13 and, and you're trying to convince the beholder to just let you through. You don't want to fight. Okay, Dan, convince me. Yeah. You rolled a 13. What are you saying? Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, whose turn is it? Is that Terry? That was me. So now it's Terry. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm not going to go red. I'm going to go white. 10. 10. 10. At Blake183000. Sup, Blake? Shout out to Blake. Says, hey guys, I'm a new DM and I'm having issues handling travel with my party. Okay. I play a bunch of sessions, but I've uh, yet to see it done really well, so I'm entertained, uh, really well, so I'm entertained during it. And this is a callback to episodes four to six where we did exploration. Yeah, well, well, okay, look, let's send him to go listen to episodes four to six. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So so we talked about that pillar in its total, but is there anything specifically about travel that you want to touch on, Terry? Uh, Yeah, I think um, when it comes to travel, one point I like to make is don't get over the destination. Forget about the destination. The travel itself is the game. So you have encounters, you have challenges, you have puzzles along the way. And it, it, the puzzle doesn't need to be, oh, you're walking along and all of a sudden you come across strange glyphs on the floor. The weather changing can be a puzzle. The, um, a, 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 an encounter which isn't clear can be a puzzle or it, it doesn't necessarily need to be obvious things. So when it comes to traveling, have tables of random slash not so random encounters. Get the players involved by getting them to roll some dice as to which table they go on, what time of day it is, uh, when the encounter comes up, and even how long it is again before the next one. So you maybe you'll have multiple encounters in the day. So then they're using up spell slots. You, there's ways that you can make it more interesting using these tables instead of just you trying to think of something that happens along the way. And... Go and watch those episodes, episodes four to six. Yeah. Yes. Right. I mean, we Do talked it about it in a lot of our uh, world building and our DM tips as well. Yeah. Well, uh, as DMs, each one of us really loves the exploration side and thinks it's malnourished Definitely. In, in the in, in every common game. So really dive into it. Really, honestly, listen to the tips we have in four to six. We had three hours worth of episodes that you could pull on um, and just... Try to have more fun with it. Yeah. Uh, honestly, okay, how do I have more yeah. fun with it? So, I mean, that depends on what your kind of fun is as well. Yeah. If you're not enjoying it, skip it, right? As much as we say that it's about the journey, you don't need to describe walking down the road. You can just fast forward 48 hours to when the random encounter happens, Yeah. right? You don't have to get into how rough the seas were days 17 through 24 of travel. You can just say there was a rough patch. Everyone roll and acrobatics check everybody rolls one person fails you fell over and then you got seasick there's your flavor you move on to the next thing right and if that's all that people want to have to do to have fun then that's it if you want to get into it if they seem interested if you're interested look 
closer in, like start to get into uh, the details and the descriptions of it more. The question is, how far do you want to zoom in to your own travel time? Yeah. One thing, I, and I don't think we've mentioned this in any of the other podcast, uh, other episodes, but one thing you can do is really open up the table as well to give a little bit of narrative freedom to your players themselves, um, specifically in their travel time. Like travel time is basically you and your players are stuck in a box for a long period of time. Moving across the country. This is when they're going to grow as friends and you're going to start to know each other more. So kind of encourage your players to really embrace the, well, now I have to talk to this guy across the table from me um, about my family history, my noble line that I come from or something. Like really use that exploration time really as a way to kind of, uh, as a exposition. Yeah, to get I your know, character exposition. I, I would just add to that where just in case some players and DMs are also struggling with how do I flesh my characters out? How do I just randomly start talking about it? You can use your NPCs as a medium for that. Yep, they can they can uh, control and and start conversations and yeah. No, nothing works better than that old grizzled uh, uh, carch driver yeah. who just leans over and goes, "So tell me about yourself, <laughs> right?" Like. Yeah. Okay, I got a funny story. Uh, I had a bunch of guys uh, in my Tuesday campaign that were walking through the... They just cleared out an orc mine with a bunch of... Uh, there were uh, U-on-T in there as well. Mm-hmm. So they rescued a bunch of refugees. Yeah, I'd love some tea, Adam, if you're making some. Uh, I, okay, well, hold on. I'll, I'll get to the tea in a moment. Um, the uh, <laughs> So they were... Um, Dan, you all right there? You're going to yeah, cough good. again? Okay. I'm good. So they... Rescued a bunch of these refugees, and they were walking them back to uh, kind of a safe haven through the woods, and they had a an ogre with them. And so the Minotaur uh, barbarian, who's chaotic evil, has really taken a shine to this ogre character. And the ogre's character, or the ogre character's name is Drig, mm-hmm. and he's an NPC. So he walks right up to Drig, and he goes, "So tell me, who is Drig?" Right? And he's trying to get some role playing. They're just walking through the jungle. Yeah. Right? I gave everybody a little opportunity to interact with one. NPC, he walked up the order, so who is Drake? And Drake looks at him and goes, Drake is me! And he's super excited that, that he is Drake. Yeah. Right? And that's all the interaction that we got. The player sat across the table from me and laughed for like 30 full seconds. Yeah. Because that's not at all what he was asking. Yeah. But that was it. That's all he needed, right? And we could move on to the next thing. Yeah. So it, you have the freedom to do whatever you want, but watch your pacing. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So I said this before for one of the earlier questions. I mean, you can go the Tolkien route and describe every plate of grass, or you can go Game of Thrones Season 7, where Daenerys flies across the continent in six and a half minutes. Don't so, get me started. So, but if you're going to do that, for some campaigns, that's what they need. They're just hopping from continent to continent, and that's it. Okay. Right? So there we go. If you guys don't want to do random encounters, there it is. Mm-hmm. So who's that? Terry, was that you? Yep. Yeah, it's your turn. Oh, it's my turn. Hey, Dan. going to go red. What do I get? Six? Nine. No, that's a... Oh, it is a nine. You're right. Sorry. It is a nine. Uh, uh, snake, I think. No, snake! No, it's S-N-A-A-A-K-3. I'm assuming yeah, it's, it's snake. snake. Asks... Oh, I know. Metal Gear Solid fan. Snake. Yeah. Uh, what is your podcast about? So far, <laughs> that that is literally the question. Oh, I'm leaving. Sometimes Dungeons and Dragons, like you, think. an inordinate inordinate amount of BDSM references. 
No, um, not made by us today. No, uh, we've been really good. Dan, I don't know why you keep bringing it up. Do you, do you need to sell <laughs> some? Okay. No, no, never mind. Okay. Um, uh, oh, it, uh, a bunch of coughing occasionally? Yeah. Um, we are uh, really here to promote Dan having friends outside of work. Yes. His family has contacted us to, to get interested in, in what he does as a hobby and, and help him feel a little bit better about himself. Yeah. And also keep him off the crack. Well, hold on. Which the drug or the? Okay, okay. yep. Never mind. Dan, would you like to roll a die, Here, please? <laughs> here's my serious answer to this question. I think we talk about D and D and this game that we like to play. Dan, I'm going to give five seconds to do it. Just die. Just die, so we can get on with this podcast. I think this podcast is all is about us talking about D and D. The way people actually have conversations, which I think is hugely important. I think there's enough podcasts out there that are so goddamn wooden. Hello um, and welcome to another episode of It's a Mimic, where today wanna, we are breaking apart Beholders. And I want to lick, <laughs> and I want to lick splinters off a baseboard because it's so fake. And people might like ours, they might not like ours, but at least when I come and I record this podcast with my friends, I get to talk to you like human beings, and it doesn't feel like I'm sitting across Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show who's trying to force laughter and everything that I say. Yeah, I look at some of the other podcasts out there, and there are some that I really, some really, really like. Yeah. There are some out there that I cannot listen to. And I often wonder... Do you think that like the web DM guys or or the the dungeon dudes or dungeon cast? Do you think when the mic turns off, they turn to each other and be like, "Dan, will you fucking shut up?" Because they're friends, like we're friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Like, oh, probably. I, I hope so. And I, I don't know. I want yeah. to see that more. And everyone has their style, right? Yes. Everyone has their style that they communicate. But I, I ours like is just it. abject chaos. <laughs> yeah. I like how because our podcast is chaotic evil. <laughs> And then that works for me. Oh, so. It is two-thirds chaotic evil. Thank you very much. I at least try to be neutral. Alignment change. Alignment change. <laughs> so that's what the podcast's about. Next, Dan. Dan roll it up. All right. Uh, which one have we not done a lot? Of? We haven't done a lot. Of... Okay. For the people at home, Dan is drinking out of a cup that says, Sawdust is man glitter. Yet the sawdust is what makes you cough it, yes, every twenty yeah. seconds. It's driving me insane. I, I I am sorry for the amount of coughs in this episode. Every yeah. we're just gonna reach down your throat before every podcast, swirl our fingers around and get that shit out of your throat. Yeah, so you're gonna be. Fine. I just like glitter anyway. So I like sawdust. Anyways, white. We'll do white. Six. Man, there's a lot of sixes and nines coming up. Uh, oh, let's ask Pepperino what that's about. <laughs> Ninety-six. Um, okay. Did we Yarns. Spinner ball, yarn, yarn spinner's ball, asks, what is your favorite homebrew monster, obstacle, or trap? I'm just going to change that to end trap. So, uh, gentlemen, favorite homebrew monster. Oh, favorite homebrew monster. I'm going first so I have this prepped because I'm thinking about it right now and I'm like, well, you guys fought actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, we did. Right, so. Okay, favorite homebrew monster. Yeah. Um, I like some of this different stuff that that I've kind of ripped off the internet. Um, I saw, and I think a lot of people have probably seen it because it's, it's it's out there a lot. The uh, the Clockwork Dragon. I don't know if you guys seen yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, mechanical yeah, Dragon. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be like a dwarven built mechanical dragon or something. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I like all of the dragon variants. The Cactus Dragon. I think it's probably yeah. one of my favorite ones mm-hmm. as well. Uh, yeah. So we were doing research for a Goblins episode. Um, which, yeah, that actually comes out on Tuesday. That, yeah, that comes out uh, following this. Uh, and 
they're not. I'm not going to cover them in the episode because they are definitely homebrew. But I was reading about something called snotlings. 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 Right. Uh, now, for they, our Warhammer 40k that fans... That implies that they would be a smaller variant of a snot. They are a smaller variant of a goblin. Um, but what they are is uh, Angry Wizard created these things. And what they do is they eat... Um, they're, they're goblinoids that eat. And after they eat enough, they enter this cocoon for one day. And are they then, eating after midnight? Is that the problem? Uh, I guess they're kind of like... The old-fashioned gremlins? Small, like, a, like a smaller goblin? They're a smaller goblin. A, gobl- a goblet, like, if you will. Well, the thing is, I was reading one of the descriptions for goblins, and this will come up, so spoilers. Uh, goblins are uh, mentioned as having like a cross between a um, leathery rat skin and a slug. That is their consistency of their skin, and I've never put that thought together Snotlings are more slug than anything else, and what they do is they eat, and when they are full, they enter this cocoon, and when the cocoon opens, two snotlings come out. And that is how they reproduce. They just eat and reproduce. And these are the coolest freaking things on the planet. Now, That's one when, word for it. when they die, they um, this the, the area around where this cocoon was um, makes the ground completely... On uh, grass and stuff can't grow. Uh, I forget what the word is for that. Uh, when they die, that area happens as well. Now there's a variant of them called napalm snotlings, and I they explode when they die. They're little goblins that explode when they die, and I love them, and I want to play with them in my games. Oh my god, Expo- exploding goblins that reproduce by overeating and becoming two snotlings within a day. So these things would just spread like wildfire. Man. This sounds like some Pathfinder bullshit exactly. to me. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Oh so, okay. So, uh, these things are multiplying like... Homebrew obstacle. Kardashians. A homebrew obstacle? Yeah. Oh, uh, my big thing that I have the most fun with ever Trying is... Trying to get all the players to the session is the biggest <laughs> obstacle. <laughs> um, I was like, what do you mean by obstacle? Because it's not trap, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm thinking like a cliff. Yeah. Like, something like that. Yeah, like something that's... Uh, or like a locked door or a trap or a puzzle. Uh, no, my my favorite obstacle is the time limit. You guys have just barely enough time, if you do everything right, to accomplish the thing. And if you don't, you're screwed. So get creative or get fast. Yeah. Right? And you guys will just burn through your resources quicker, and it adds a certain level of stress. So my favorite obstacle is a time limit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My favorite obstacle is Adam's calendar that he uses, uh, where the weather... Uh, we know we know what the weather pattern is going to be on what day um, because that that really makes us think strategically, um, and it is a fucking nightmare when we get it wrong. So yeah, I I like I like closing the path of entrance to make them have to fight their way out. Like uh, except when it happens to you. Oh, I don't mind it so much when it happens to me. Hmm. <laughs> Adam's talking from pain here, oh. but uh, no, I like have a cave in behind them and ha- make them. Force your players to make their way through the tunnel. Like I, I love doing that to my players because um, there's always that one guy who's all like, "I'm just gonna stay in the back and wait until you guys come out of the cave." It's like, no, no, let's. Well, that's why I like putting in. patrols behind them, right? So you can't or, or patrols there, right? too, right? Like, but that's uh, but some to push them forward. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, what was the last thing? Uh, trap. Favorite homebrew trap. Oh, I've got one. So do I, Terry? Do you need a sec? Dan, you um, go first. No, I'm good to go. Um, I, I like I like I, the fuck you stick trap. It is a ten foot pole, a ten foot pole, 
uh, positioned above a door so that when you open it, this uh, 10-foot pole swings down and on the end is a uh, alchemist fire. So it just swings down and smokes the people in the chest when they open that, the that's door. That's some Home Alone level shit. Yeah, yeah. and I, I love the Home Alone like cobalt-inspired traps, which are just like, these are common items that they found, found around uh, the cave and have made into a trap. Mm. Yeah. yeah. For me? Um, well, one of the more memorable ones I have, this is going to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but what I liked when we did the uh, Wizard's Tower, spoiler alert if you haven't listened to Wizard's Tower in 3, 2, 1, right now, is uh, where I did where you guys walked into a dark cylindrical room and you couldn't see what was up above and it was reverse gravity and it was actually a pool of water filled with sharks but it was upside down because it was reverse gravity and then when you took the MacGuffin out to end the reverse gravity, the entire pool of water including the sharks then fell 80 feet, and then it was a pool of water with sharks on the opposite side. It was supposed to be like an hourglass type thing. Uh, for me, that was very fun in my mind, uh, mm-hmm. watching you guys navigate that. Yeah, that, yeah. that was that was a lot of fun. It was good times, yeah. yeah. Especially because uh, we're still doing spoiler I did not help with that combat at all. At all. That was just, I just let Dan do it. I'm like, fucking no. But you guys just had no idea. I was like, you are now wet. Where am I? I don't know. Sharks. <laughs> and you're upside down. <laughs> now the sharks are falling, and so are you. <laughs> Um, okay, my favorite trap is something that uh, I kind of stole off of uh, from Matt Colville. Um, so you know, I got to give him a shout out on this. Oh, but yeah. but I then adapted a little bit where I split the party and then I threw a gelatinous cube at them, and there were all sorts of force oh, fields all over the shit. place. This was so good; it stressed <laughs> me out so much. T- Terry ran forward. He saw a lever. Right, and, and and up until this point, all of the levers had controlled different color force fields, and the, the color of the lever controlled the force field. So he ran forward to to pull the lever, but when he ran forward, um, the lever uh, dropped some force fields, put up other ones, splitting the party even further, and dropped him into a, a pit trap, which was like a ten foot by ten foot pit trap, and it also released another gelatinous cube, which just kind of slurped its way over within one round and landed on top of him. So he's in the bottom of a pit trap. With a gelatinous cube on top of him. Nobody can get to him. Everyone realizes, wait a minute, there's another lever over here. And so one of the other players, Megan, runs over. And so she pulls this lever. And then it flipped the wall Scooby-Doo style. style, Where she ended up in like the next adjacent room. Which was a 10 foot by 10 foot room. And the moment she entered it, the ceiling opened up. And a gelatinous cube dropped on her inside. Fucking nightmare. So there were three gelatinous cubes. And you guys were all level like 13, 14, somewhere around there. But you guys were just running around like, oh, God, nobody touch another lever. <laughs> well, the, thing, the problem with mine was is I was in a pit trap that was around the corner from the line of sight of the other players with a gelatinous cube just landed on me. Imagine the horror of looking up and a gelatinous cube just lands <laughs> on top of you. So nobody even knew I was there. But but both you in the pit trap and Megan in that other room yep. were isolated and nobody else knew what was happening. You guys were just... The other two players thought were, everything was gravy. Thought yeah. everything was good. And, and we're fighting the last gelatinous cube. Yeah. Right? So, and they're like, oh, you know what? I'm going to take a 10 foot step back and I'm going to shoot it. And meanwhile, Terry's like, <laughs> yeah, at the so bottom sizzle. of the pit. Yeah, right? So, yeah, I don't know. That was my favorite. So, I, I kind of built on Matt Colville's pit trap plus gelatinous cube. Oh, man. That was awesome. Like so, um, anyways. Whose turn is it? Uh, that was Dan. So, that's. One black guy. Three. Three. At Dry. Uh, Matty Yangao, Yangu, I'm going to say this properly, or improperly. At Matty Yangao asks, best system for naval combat you've seen? Oh, you know what? 
I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go out there and say this. I haven't seen a good one. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? It's so complex. Mm-hmm. And I think, here's the thing with naval combat. You have to be pretty knowledgeed up on naval combat itself to properly design a system for tabletop naval combat. Otherwise, you're just winging it. Yeah. And uh, and lots of times, it's homebrewed. Sometimes it kind of works. Sometimes it doesn't. You have the added element of it's in a fantastical world as well, yeah. where there's all kinds of different spells and people controlling water and there's flying things. and uh, it's So... I don't have a best system. Um, I just use an own, my own homebrew system, which I think is a sensible uh, yeah. system. I don't think there's... I've never seen anything particularly amazing that really just nails it. You've got to be sensible. I, I've, done, I've done tabletop wargaming conventions and stuff like that and, like, walked into a room with this massive, like, 20-foot by 10-foot table. And these guys are pushing around the smallest naval oh. ships on this they're massive... They're playing battleship. Damn, well, no, 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 no. Like, this massive thing is actually really incredible to watch and really cool. But even that system was like convoluted as hell because they had their, like, they had sextants that they were using to position their ships and move their ships around. And I'm like, was this D&D or was it? No, it was just a, it was a tabletop war game. So they were like moving uh, World War II era battleships and stuff around for massive naval conflict. Yeah, but And even that, I'm like, bruh. It also depends how far you want to zoom out mm-hmm. as well, because there's also things happening on each ship. You have a party of players now that may are controlling each thing, because this is it. Where do you want your wizard or your spellcasters? Where do you want them compared to the person who's steering the ship, compared to the people that are using the ballistas? How many people are on the ballistas? How far do we zoom out? How many ships are involved? Yeah, where do we stand the goblin catapult? Uh, where do we, exactly, where do we stand the goblin catapult? So... Um, I will tell you that I've flipped through Ghosts of Saltmarsh. Oh, yeah. They actually have ship stats with uh, hit points and armor classes. Uh, they give you the dimensions of the ship, and they give you the dimensions for each level of the ship as well. Nice. As well as where the armaments are on it, so where your ballistas and or cannons are, if you decide yeah. to go that way. Um, my, and the range on all of these things as well, as well as the speed of the ship. So it's, they're just, they run like monsters, right? Yeah. yeah. So you get a certain number of attacks, but you need someone to man the ballista. There's a reload time. So there's a slightly different rules, but each ship can do a different thing. Like, uh, and they've got about a half dozen different kinds of ships. It's not going to be hard to homebrew off of that. You find the one that's close and, and go ahead. All right. But, you know, I look at it still, and uh, if you're running 30 freaking crew members yep. between four ships, that combat's going to take you all night. Yeah. Yep. And it had better be a big, fun set piece. And again, as much as you're sitting there, oh, yeah, I'm going to shoot them from a distance, so cross the open water to... Right, but the cannon's got like 600 feet like of range on it. So you're taking chunks out of the boats. My problem with Fifth Ed is everything has too low AC and too few hit points, mm-hmm. except player characters, right? And that's the same thing with the ships. By the time that you get close enough to board the other ship, you've, you've, sunk, you've it. sunk it, or it's sunk you, yeah. right? So that's the closest. I would say don't be afraid to get a little outside of the box. Maybe have some way to cast mage armor on your own ship. You got magic spells, man. Use it. Mm-hmm. Cast darkness around your ship and pose disadvantage to hit you. And right? Use spells like, like obscuring mist. And- my my favorite move ever was what Terry did against an enemy ship, where he just cast reverse gravity and it went up, and then it came down. Yeah, yeah. And it was fantastic because not only did it go up, 
but all the, but it flipped upside down. Well, all the crew that's members in fell. the mechanics of the yeah. spell is it oscillates, it flips upside down, so all of the crew fell out of the yeah. ship. I was and like, then, this is freaking genius. And then the ship landed on them. Right? <laughs> the ship landed on them. <laughs> that was beautiful. So anyway, that's My characters just sitting there like, were there survivors? And Adam's just like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. I'm rolling the white die. Do it. We got an eight. 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 Have we rolled anything above? Oh yeah, we got a. 14. We got a single fourteen, and there's an eleven. But other than that. Um, eight at Col- Colton Adrian asked, what are the questions you ask to write a quality backstory? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good one. I, we could, I could do a whole episode on this. Do, do you guys have any, like, well, like, do, should we do, do a quick answer? Then maybe we should do a whole episode. on. We, this. we will definitely do a whole episode on this because this is a passion for all of us. I'm, I'm known for tossing Adam like 10, 15 page backstories and yeah. then he will go to exploit them, and I'm like, who's this guy? And he's like, it was in your backstory, Dan. Like, just remember. Um, the question... Uh, the qu- so, yeah, we'll do an episode on it, but real quick, what are the questions that I would ask as the DM to the players for good backstory? Uh, where are your parents buried? And uh, what is the reason that your hood is over your eyes and nobody can see you? Why are you always so silent and brooding? Why, why are you hiding in the corner at the tavern and, and crying? To uh, what, yeah. Uh, at what point did you assume that alignment could replace a personality? Yeah. <laughs> There's only six possible outcomes to anything. So seriously up. answering the question, um, I want to know your family. I want to know your uh, nemesis. I think that is your character's nemesis, the person that, yep. you know, Bring that. Everybody has an arch, an arch nemesis. Everybody has an arch nemesis. Bring it. Uh, your character. Uh, Mine is Dan. Um, what the your character's desires are, what his goals are. Those are two separate things. And uh, what what will cause him to stop adventuring? Um, and in in, to, in a negative light, like uh, uh, what is what would be his greatest failure? Mm. Right. Oh, I've got a good one. Adam asked me. Um, whatever, and it was to do with an ally, play a character that I had, what would it take for you to betray your ally? Yeah. I yeah. thought it was fantastic. Ad- Adam sat across the table from me last week and said, okay, Dan, now's the time. What will it take for you to betray your family? What will it take for you to betray your uh, party? What will it take for you to betray? And he just went through this list and I'm like, can I think on it? And he's like, nope, this is the time. I'm like, oh no. So... Blended. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think you guys touched on some great things. I want to know. Look, every freaking player character that that's out there is fresh off the farm, or right out of the guild, or was inspired <laughs> by the soldier that walked by because they're eighteen years old. They're all young. They're all fresh faced. They're all new. Beautiful. Uh, uh, what is their damage? What is that thing that defines them as a person? I don't mean what is their tragic backstory. We don't all need that. But what is that thing that defines their personality? It's not their... And don't just make it hatred for orcs. Everyone does that. Racism is not a defining personality trait. It's just (laughs) stupid and annoying. Move on to the next thing. Yeah. But what is it? Is it the fact that... like I would have a character whose damage is the fact that he got this one great piece of information of wisdom. Right? Say, you... You... should never rely on violence to solve a problem. And that should be, for the first two rounds of every combat, he is trying to to mitigate the violence. He's trying to uh, undermine it and calm everybody down, and it should be his last resort. Yeah. Right? That's an interesting character. 
And it's off of a, off of words of wisdom. So I guess I, that'd be my thing. Yeah. What, what are the and, words and of like, wisdom that they can, live by? Can I ask you a side question on that? Yeah. And we won't go too long on this, but I just like it. What do you guys think of the idea of a character who's a conscientious objector? Absolutely love it. I would love to play that. I think it would piss off everyone else at the table. Yeah, I think I, I think exactly the same. I just want to. There, uh, you would have to do it with a limit where your character will finally draw his weapon and and fight back, or or or, or have or buff or do something right. Like there's that one movie uh, uh, that came out with Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. It's it's the same thing. My personal opinion is that World War Two was not an acceptable time to be a conscientious <laughs> objector. <laughs> Fuck you. Get on with it. <laughs> but like that was a a really good uh, way to inspire. If you want to play a conscientious objector, watch that movie. Yeah, but I would say that if you're gonna do it, get permission from your from the other players. Yeah, yeah maybe talk it through in session zero. And again, it's gonna be a what would it take for you to to break that? I lo- see. My favorite character that I have waiting in the wings right now is a druid who's just this crazy old pagan bastard who's who's like really old, got a great grizzled beard, and he's got like a deer skull over his face and stuff. But he communes with Mother Nature, and he's part of the green, right? Like, uh, like Swamp Thing is, it's swamp, yeah, it's Swamp Thing. And so, like, he's he's strange and weird, and he doesn't socialize with anybody, and he's and I can just picture him standing still in the middle of a battlefield and not getting involved. Yeah. Until someone moves within five feet of him, and he will reach out and just melt their face. Yeah. But then, if it's not within five feet of him, this is not his problem. That's just the way of the world, right? Yeah. So there's got to be a line where you're going to get involved. Maybe it'd be good for an NPC. You're right. It could yeah. be a good, interesting dynamic for an NPC, but not a player character. Yeah. Okay. Who rolled that nonsense? Uh, Is that me? That was you. All right. So it's my turn. Yeah. Dan, would you uh, like the black one? I would like the black one. See that? That's called uh, assuming the sale. I don't know if I just made that up. <laughs> we already got four on the black die. Roll again. We didn't get five. I cannot roll above a six. This one's really open-ended. At Sammy, with an I, underscore L, underscore G, wants to know about mechanical balancing. Oh. What That's is it? it? I want... Wants to know about mechanical balancing. What? When, when we opened up and said, hey, let us know what you want us to talk about, or send us your questions, the only two words we got were mechanical balancing. Mechanical balancing. Ah. Uh, Okay, so um, the advantage system itself really takes care of a lot of that. Uh, being the, the DM being the arbiter of the rules and being able to uh, do things like modify DCs on the spot really handles that. Uh, read your table, uh, figure out where you're going with this, and uh, a lot of people play far more mechanically-based games, so... Uh, Pay attention to your CRs and, and how how to build a an encounter around CRs if that's what you are really going for. Um, yeah, the, the systems are already kind of in place there. Um, and it's really hard to do in the middle of combat if you're playing a very uh, rules-as-written game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's very open. I mean, the game's been play-tested so much, and we don't hear too many complaints out there about mechanical imbalance. And here's the thing, is everyone's opinion, when they say things are overpowered, is always different. So, yep. that means, generally, the game is very well-balanced, in my opinion. I'm going to say, if you're going to balance anything, you balance your, your DCs, you balance your monsters. Yeah. Do not rebalance a player character. There's a lot of people that absolutely love their homebrew. Everybody loves the Blood Hunter or the Revised Ranger. There's all sorts of stuff out there. 
If you need something beyond the 12 classes and their subclasses, um, then check out Pathfinder 3.5. They've got a lot of fun options. There's a lot of different takes in 4th edition. Yeah. Maybe 5th ed isn't quite for you mm. because there are enough options in there and it is so open-ended that you should not have to be retooling anything. If you're building a new subclass, and I have, it, and I spent a month trying to retool a barbarian subclass to be everything that the player wanted, and it's never enough because players want power, and you will never give them enough. Yeah, right. I think we did a pretty decent job too. It essentially turned into just a battle master. Yeah, he was a barbarian battle master. Um, but we called it Path of the Chieftain. But it was nothing really groundbreaking. And the number of times that he was like, "Well, what about this?" and I said, "No." And then he goes, "Well, hold on, it's no more powerful than this one over here." And I'm like, yeah, you're, you're right, but their previous class features were this. Yeah. And their later class feature is this. So overall, by the time you hit level 15, it's going to be balanced. But if you, like, if you're front heavy or back heavy, you can't be all heavy, mm-hmm. right? And so you're never going to get it right. Let the professionals do it. And I mean, I'm never going to write up a, a homebrew class, right? I, I don't see the purpose in it. You can do whatever you want with whatever I probably exists. will. I, I, I'm really interested in bringing new and Yeah, I feel like it's something I would try to do, but I would do it knowing that it's probably not going to be balanced. It might just be like a personal it's project. It's all I did in 3.5 was homebrew freaking classes, and I just, I, I'm over it. I'm done with yeah. it. So if you're playing a far more mechanical-based uh, rules-as-written game, like, um, what? so you play 3.5, 3, play 4th uh, edition, play Pathfinder, um, these are all fairly imbalanced, but there are rules to rebalance to your own flavor in them. So. Yeah, exactly. So take a look at those systems. And if you are really stuck on 5e, um, really embrace your role as a uh, dungeon master to be able to modify things if it comes around to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that was pretty open, but I think we covered a lot in that one. Oh, it's my turn. It's your turn. I'm going to go. I'm going Wait. to go. We have far less white than anything else. No, because you just tried to do the same thing that I did to you, which is power suggestion. I'm not going to let you do that to me. But also, you knew I was going to say that, so I'm going to do white, because I decided. Inconceivable. Hey, a 16. Adam's brother, Dave. Talk to me, Dave. So, Terry. Hey. This is directed to you. You have an uncanny ability to be able to roll the questions that are specifically targeted to you. Look, people try to take shots at me, but I'm a fucking lion and you could try all day long. I will never stop. I heard in today's episode, uh, number two, so this is an older question, (laughs) um, that you would be interested in playing a female character. If you were serious about this, what class and race would you choose? What challenges do you think uh, you would have? And if a female were to try a male character, what challenges do you think she would find based on class and race? Dave, that was actually a pretty sensible question. I know I opened up with some fire there, but that was actually a pretty sensible question. Uh, what was the first part of it? What's holding me back? Um, if you were serious about the... What, no, the Challenge. If you were serious, what class and race would you choose? Class and race, I think I would go for... Hmm, I hadn't thought about class and race yet. I think I would go for... Do you know what? I'd maybe do something like Half-Orc Barbarian. And honestly, I would maybe go something with a lower intelligence or wisdom because I... I'm not a woman. I don't know how women think generally. So if I go something where the character has a lower wisdom, 
then I don't need to think that much about it because <laughs> I can play a very simple character where I can get away with that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, what that I'm makes sense. It, it's, it's, it's you're, like, not, you're not doing it for the... Oh, weird, I'm not saying yeah. women are stupid. Yeah. No, that's yeah. not what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying I, I would want to be clear. That's I would play saying. a character that... You would, you would play a... A simple character. A simple character. Where then I don't need to think too much about how an intelligent character... Which is a sex which is not my own would think. Adam, yeah. did I put that across properly? No, I'm not even listening to you. Okay. I'm literally watching Crit Chicks right now. Okay, well, because I, I, because I said that we would. Well, pop you in should and say let hi. them know in advance that I probably accidentally offended them. <laughs> I would like to make this very clear. I am not saying that women are stupid. I am saying that I would play a simple character yeah, so that you, I you do were, not have to think like an intelligent yeah. person. Yeah, you would roll the character in such a way to hide your misgivings and missteps yes. rolling Look, into the character. Here's yeah. the thing. and What challenges do I think that a woman would uh, get if they were trying to play a male character? It's the same that I would have in reverse. I, I don't know how women think. Men, men and women are very different. Yeah. We've seen this for thousands of years and that's why there's thousands of hours of footage of comedians making jokes about men and women on either side because we're just different we yeah. think differently and so i'm going to go into whatever situation programmed how i am programmed um and, and so there may be women at the table that'll go we would never do it like that but likewise there'll be another situation where i would go i don't know a man in this world that would approach that situation like that mm-hmm. but that's just the way it is but you know what it's game it's supposed to be fun it's okay at least we're trying something new dave yeah. i hope that answered your question yeah that's uh, fair and yeah there we go <laughs> Uh, that was mine. Adam, it's you. Oh, I get to roll. Uh, we look like we're going pretty even across the board. I'm going to go black. Eight. Eight? I think we already did that. No, we didn't. Oh, we didn't? You want me to read it to you? Yep. Uh, oh, Yogs! RPG Yogi! Hello! We love Yogs, don't we? Yeah, Yogs. Okay, Dan? I need you to, I need you to be more convincing with that. Alright, we're gonna sorry. Three, two, one. Yay, Yogs! It sounded so sarcastic, but it wasn't sarcastic. It wasn't. I love Yogi. Should I say you're sarcastic? We love Yogi. We absolutely love Yogi. She's like our be- our biggest and best fan. Alright, if you Whoa, whoa. All fans are created equally. We love all of you. She is our biggest and best. Alright. I don't know if she's a fan because she's super chill. So nah, if she you had told Yogi that if you were like, Yogi, you're our biggest fan, she'd be like, don't flatter yourself and chill out. And then we <laughs> deliberately not listen for like five weeks just so we got back in our box. Oh, I'm fully expecting a message saying, uh, no. Okay. If you don't follow at RPG underscore Yogi, I need you to go outside, give yourself a debrief, come back in, log into Instagram and follow her. Okay. Um, how do you let go of expectations of how you want a session to be played out? Oh. Adam? Oh, oh, that's a good one. That's I like a good that. one. How do you let go of expectations of how you want a player to be laid out? Um, it's really, really simple for me. I, you, I, I've spoken about this at length before. I build the world ahead of time and I know what my enemies want and I know what the, what the, what the problems are that, that I've set up in front of, of the players. And then I just react. Right. I have zero expectations I was going to go. I may go, yeah, I'm going to try to set this shit up against Dan this session, or I'm, I'm going to give Terry, uh, I'm going to give Terry a hyper sexual half orc that is going to just like be in his business, and I'm going to watch him squirm. But if you decided not to squirm, that's cool too. If you're like, I'm into it, 
All right. Everybody else leave the room. Terry and I are doing stuff. <laughs> so, exactly. We're going to go back to that book you said earlier. Yeah. I resisted that for so long. I was there. I was going, could you not, please? Could you get off me? Don't touch me. Don't. Don't touch me. You're so soft. I was pink. making, I was making hashtags and everything. So, but, but I, that's, that's the thing is it's not my job as a dungeon master or as a player to determine what what is going to happen. We're writing this story together. I'm in charge of the setting and I'm in charge of the conflict. I'm not in charge of the solution. Yeah. So if you guys decide to do something radically different, I'm into it. Your job is to wreck my plan and my plan is simply here's a conflict, what are you going to do? Yeah. I try to give you a conflict that's most of the time something you can handle easily. Some of the time, something you can't handle easily, and every once in a while, something impossible. Yeah, I would say, in accordance with that, DMs, you should never want an outcome or a specific solution, but you can want conflicts and problems to put in front of them. That that should be what you want. If you want a specific outcome, just being honest, you probably shouldn't be the DM because it's not going to go your way. Players are not stupid. They're going to figure out that you're trying to railroad them because you're trying to get to something that you want, mm-hmm. and they're not going to want the same thing. Yeah, no, that's fair. All right, uh, that was me. Um, Dan, it's my turn, right? Yep. A little red. What are you eating? Chicken and rice. Chicken and rice. I can't roll above a 10. What is that? that, That's a nine? We got that. That's a four. I think we had four as well. Oh, we got another one from Graham the Writer. At Graham the Writer. Graham. He asks, what's your favorite dice set that you own? Oh, well, Dan owns 53,000 dice. So, but he only like, has like six actual sets. They're yeah, all Yeah, I, I spent a couple minutes. So I had a friend who started uh, DMing and I was like, here, just take some sets. And I think he bled me a bit dry there. So I got my box of random dice, but somewhere. So Dan, what's your favorite set? Uh, I have a green and gold set right now that I am absolutely in love with. Yeah? Yeah. Should, That's my favorite set. Dan, you should post. We'll take Dan. pictures of these sets and, and yeah. we'll, we'll put them up. When we and, and like, it's it's a close tie. So when I started playing my Dragonborn character, um, I bought like a bunch of blue and silver and various dice like that because he's a silver Dragonborn of bah- uh, Paladin of Bahamut. Hmm. So I was like, I wanted themed dice. The second I started playing a gnome investigator and I was going into it with like, I'm going to play him like stereotypical Irish accent and everything. Mm-hmm. I bought a bunch of green and orange and, and all these other dice to put in there <laughs> and then sat across the table and botched the accents right away. And now he's New York or yeah, Boston. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. well, yeah, that's he's, close enough. He's kind of got the, the voice like this, right? Um, but uh, so I've, I've, I've settled more into that. But it's so I've got these. Uh, green and orange dice, and they tend to roll well for Lockie um, until they really don't, and they just decide You're to hate streaky. me for it. You're yeah. very streaky. Yeah, you are. Terry, what, what's your favorite you set? Are you, you name are, yours. I have two favorite sets. My first, right, I have two. I have the golden set that I received from you guys from the gaming group for my my birthday, I think. Yeah. Birthday, Christmas, birthday. These, are, these birthday. are like actual metal. Yeah, oh, they're heavy. They're beautiful. And that set actually stopped me from wanting to buy thousands of other sets. You know, where you always want to collect them and all of the colors and they're so beautiful. When I got that set, I was like, I'm fucking over it. And I just like put my other <laughs> dice to the side and nice. I just use that one set and I just take the other ones uh, when I need them. But my, my other favorite set is, yes, I do name them, is uh, Stephanie, which is my pink ones. 
um, named after Stephanie Zanoni, who's in the Pink Ladies in Greece too, which is the better version of Greece. Uh, hot uh, take, hot <laughs> take. Uh, no, it's true because uh, it it doesn't have any of that hot that horse shit. That garbage music from the first one. Mm, yeah. That okay. is Good all music. over yeah. every single Michelle sleepover. Pfeiffer. Yes, yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer, not a Michelle Pfeiffer plays. Yeah, yeah. She it, plays it Stephanie Zanoni. Yeah, it's, it's not I bad. have never seen this movie. Oh, well, cool we'll, we'll, we'll have cool a sleepover. Cool rider. Nope. Yep, I'm into it. If he's cool enough, he can burn me through and through. Whoa. <laughs> Uh, sorry, what was that? What was the question? For orders of Terry's CD, please call one eight hundred. Another, another, other classic movie hits as well. You never close <laughs> anymore when I kiss. No, I missed the cable days where you would flip to like channel two, and there would be just the uh, the cycling, the, the cycling the, like the commercials cycling. for five. Sitting the hits a big across the bay. Yeah, <laughs> I miss those channels. Anyways. Uh, what was the question? Oh, favorite dice. Uh, for me, it's it's our uh, Crick dice. Yeah. We, we have two. Uh, we have three. Dan found he has one now. They all light up when you land on a twenty. Yeah. Right. So we've got a black one for crit failures, a blue one for magic, and a yellow one for for melee. So we run three different crit tables. So we got uh, melee success, magic success, and just general failure. And when you roll them and you hit a twenty, that's okay. You want a twenty on these tables. Yeah. The lower numbers are bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Those ones are my favorite because when they light up, the room erupts. Right, yeah. so it's it's fantastic. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It is good. All right, Terry, what do you got? Oh, is it me? Yep, I will go red. Eleven. Red eleven. Done we got it, it already. We've done it. Oh, it was new lab. Uh, Ten. God, we just can't do this. Okay, uh, at uh, CTLN CRPS. So that's actually Caitlin Corpse because I know her. Oh, uh, asks, Caitlin. Uh, what's oh. your favorite ever character created that's not your own? No. Oh. Or the most interesting character that you've seen played? Favorite character ever created that's not my own. Do you guys have one good to go? Because I might think about this for a second. Now, are we talking about like within actual play podcasts that we listen to and various things like that? Or the, 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 I your, your, your favorite fifth edition D and D character ever that has been played? Not whatever bullshit you have ready to go on D&D Beyond. I'm going to keep it within our group. So we yeah, yeah, I'll keep it within our groups too. Because my, my initial reaction would just be uh, not from Critical Role. But anyways, uh, from my our, our own groups, I thoroughly love Acra. Oh, man. Acra's such great. a good character. Acra is like big, heavy because she's got a metal skeleton because she got cursed once. In the first uh, session, I think. Like the, 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 the fourth. Yeah. 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 But a uh, big black necromancer dragonborn uh, who is just the most cheerful person on the planet. Like, just, oh, hi. How's it going? But where's the skull of her face? And well, yeah, like, she's super metal Over looking. And then she'll talk to you and be like, uh huh. And then, and then whenever you're in the middle of a long rest and shit happens, she gets up and runs out and she's just naked. It's, she just, just she doesn't yeah, understand. Doesn't it's understand. Like, I, I, I love that character immensely yeah so Derek uh, well I was going to say Acra and Acra is the real answer but I will again and, and this is only because I was particularly proud of this character I'd like to flesh it out more I'm going to use one of my own um, and I'll use Duke Solomon Duke oh it says specifically not your own not my own right fine Adam you go <laughs> alright okay but because I am not you hold on let me check nope not you 
I can choose one of your characters, and I would say that by far my favorite character that I have ever seen is uh, Captain Titus Hawkridge. Oh, yeah. Now in general. Yes. Um, That's Captain Titus Hawkridge, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just uh, laughed right yeah. into the voice. Yeah. <laughs> so I absolutely loved his progression because he went from, like, the most... He was like the greenest. He was the most incompetent. Oh, absolutely, captain he, ever. He, he couldn't figure out like his his head, his ass from a hole in the ground, right? Like he could not figure out which which enemy to attack. He ran like into battle every time and just got destroyed. By the end of it, he'd had a wife, he'd had a kid, he'd founded a city. He had a rivalry with a barbarian who then slowly became his like weirdly best friend. Friend of me. It was his best man at his wedding. Best friend of me. Yeah. yeah. Um. He was. Uh, he uh, he worked for Strahd at one point and he swapped sides <laughs> when he realized that Strahd was the bad guy. Yeah, because he genuinely thought he was the good guy. But there was a point where Titus looked at Strahd and went, "Yeah, you're good." No, he no, no, no. That was got, his introduction. He to literally the got his rank and his position from his father just because he was his son. But he was like so shit. It was unbelievable. But then by the end of it, he was like taking on uh, stone golems like one like one to one. He was one of the best things on the battlefield yeah. um, as far as like a tactical player. Um, and uh, and his, his everybody has that family that's in their background. Titus built his. Mm. Nobody else had relationships with anyone the way that Titus did. I have never seen the evolution of a character that was more subtle but drastic than Titus. And I absolutely love that. And I just like I'm I'm I need more Titus in my life. Yeah. Like he is just and also he's just funny because he is unaware of some social scenarios where he will uh him and his fucking birds. No, no, no. It, 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 it's, it's not even birds. birds. He had a tattoo on his thigh that, that showed up. It, was, it glowed. It was a rune that appeared when he showed up. It was on your world. thigh. It yeah. was on his thigh. Nice. And so he like pulled a child around the back of a cart and lifted his skirt, his battle skirt off <laughs> and said, do you know what this is? No, I said, look at this. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> so like it was, and, and everyone at the table was like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but now he is the number one, like, proponent of safety and well-being for everyone in this city. Uh, I think that he learned a lot in the Demon Keep. I think he spent enough time unconscious. Um, getting the shit kicked out. Yeah, that, that he kind of came around and he figured out what was important and what he wasn't. almost killed by a succubus as well. Oh, yeah, he went through a lot, that guy. Lost his leg. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. So, anyways, okay. what's yours? Do you know what? Not to flip it back at you, but I'm honestly one of my favorite characters that did not get enough time at our gaming table. I thought was Bargus. Oh, Bargus was, I know we, and we've just been talking about dwarf clerics. Yeah. Was a dwarf cleric. The interesting thing about Bargus was he was 21. Yeah. A dwarf. Yeah. Who was 21. Barely had his beard. Probably still had a better beard than me. But <laughs> because he was the dwarf cleric, everybody just assumed that he knew everything and he was this big healer and was wise and had seen all and was like, Bargus, what do we do? And he was like, I'm 21 years old. I have no idea why I'm here. Go left. <laughs> Go left. <laughs> I don't, don't let this beard deceive you. I have no idea. But was always relied upon to be that person. There was all these older, like all of our, all of our PCs, right? We're all older than him. Would go in, get fucked up, and they'd be like, Bargus, help us. Oh, Bargus, you gotta be there. Bargus, what is your counsel? And he'd be like, I literally have no idea what's going on. I got on the wrong school bus. I ended up here. <laughs> Stop asking me questions. And, and it was funny because, when I was playing Vargas, I missed the first session, right? And so when uh, when I showed up at the second session, I had no idea how we'd gotten in here. He was just kind of like hand-waved. 
Yeah. Right. Um, it, the first session ended with roll initiative and then where they waited a week and then I showed up and they're like, Oh, our human fighter isn't here right now. So we're going to put you in instead, right in his spot. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. What are we doing and who are we? Yeah. Right. And I, I ran with that for a little while. You guys, everybody robbed a, a store and Barg was like, I can't do this. Yeah. I'm lawful good. I'm going to stand outside. I'm not going to do this. And then he went in to help and was the only one still in the store when the, like the, the shopkeep's assistant came out enraged. Yeah. And he had to fight the shot. Like, so he just walked into this by accident. <laughs> and, and, like, the poor guy was just... His ever- character arc as well, like, where he developed into, like, is just incredible Yeah, as well. he was a fantastic, like, sacrificed his own life and just was incredible. He, yeah, he had to cut off his own beard. Yeah. To, to bring someone else back to life. Just, no. just love the idea of this this dwarf cleric that's supposed to know all and be so wise and stuff. And he was like, "Guys, I, I I'm, I'm 21. I have no idea." He made, he made a deal with the, with the with the chaotic evil lich, yeah, in order to bring his best friend back back from the dead to to save his orphanage, yeah, right. But he but he had to make a deal, and he died for it, yeah, right, because he wasn't experienced. Mm-hmm. He was just always in over his head. That was a dwarf joke. <laughs> Because dwarfs are short. Yeah, no, I get it. I, right? I'm, I'm so, better, yeah. Adam said in over no, his head. No, you don't have to. Because he means situationally. Just because I didn't chuckle didn't mean I didn't get it. Is it was just a bad joke. Right. Yeah. Because they're short. <laughs> it's, a, it's just equally funny the next time. Dad, because dwarfs are short. Good <laughs> lord. I'm when rolling the black die. What did I roll? A black five. Fuck. Already done. Already done. All right, hold on. We're going to get it. Uh, 12. Up to a 12. We hit double digits. All right. This one is also from uh, at Graham, the writer. Well, it's, it's a Graham episode. Superstar. I for the, everyone else listening, we have about how many questions? We have sixty, 60 questions. questions. We have sixty questions from a lot of. And people he only gave us three. So we just hit all three. Of three yeah. So he asks, when GMing a campaign, what if any preparations do you make for situations where the party completely deviates off the projected path? Do you try to have a backup plan of where you'd like to see the party go in this event? Or do you go completely fly by the seat of your pants and hope for the best? Now, we talked about this a little bit on the, on the prep episode, right? Uh, we talked about this actually at length. Yeah. yeah. Right? About how much agency. So, do you guys want to give a brief summary before yeah. we move on I'll to the next brief one? Dan, do you want to go first? Um, chomp yeah. The, there. I am uh, known for my flying by the seat of my pants when things are going my way. So it doesn't really affect me when the party goes a different direction. And I just go, okay, well, there's this. It's just kind of have an idea of where your world is um, and and what the world, wh- where the world currently is sitting um, and what is in the area in terms of threats or monsters. To have just a loose idea, even just knowing I'm in a forest and thus there will be wolves or something like that, right? And throw a couple combats at them in order to like drop that MacGuffin that will pull them back onto the trail or just let them do their thing and let them find a new story. Like it's, it's not the end of the world. Uh, with even with the Yogs uh, question earlier with uh, what do you do with expectations? The expectation is to have fun and, and uh, listen to and create a story. Sometimes the story doesn't go as well as the guy who uh, doesn't go the way the guy who's running the monsters thinks it will. Yeah. So, that's that. Yeah. yeah. I, I always have um, a set of uh, not-so-random encounters good to go because, you know, encounters can go for, for up to two hours, you know, depending on what the, the encounter is. Uh, and, and you're absolutely right, Dan. From that encounter, you can find a way to steer back yeah. or 
not even necessarily steer back, even kind of go the long way around, you know. Uh, I don't think I mentioned this, and Graham was in this session. Um, I had a party decide to go in a direction I was not expecting. So what I did was I dropped a bunch of uh, homebrew monsters called Ashlings on them. Mm. And then as they were fighting the Ashlings, this ogre came through the woods and started fighting them. And this ogre had a, like, skull on its hip that had all these intricate little carvings and everything You on just it. pulled all this out of your ass. I right? just pulled all this out of my butt. I was just like, I, I need to pull them back on the path. And the, the MacGuffin was going to be this skull with all the tattoo, with all the carvings and stuff on it. So they did the battle, uh, found out that the Ashlings were just dirty cobalts, which I loved. But, uh, they find this skull and they're like, what's this skull? And it became their sole focus for like three or four sessions was trying to figure out what this skull was. And like they would constantly bring it up and be like, yeah, I know we're trying to kill Bargle, but what's this skull, Dan? And I'm like, I still haven't figured that out. Yeah. Like, you, no one has cast identify yet. Literally no one has. We're going to wait until someone we're does. Gonna wait. We're going to wait. So it, it like just drop a MacGuffin to pull them yeah, back. Yeah. You can that. always, you can always have like a quick go to side quest. You know what? You know we were talking about Lady Tiefling a few weeks ago? Yep. Uh, she dropped a post uh, today about the, the, the Minotaur. Did you see that? Yeah. And she had a great one on there which is a glass orb. Yep. If you touch yep. it, yep. You, you're transported off to a labyrinth. And I remembered that. It's interesting this question came up. I was like, that would be so good if everyone was going off the rails that you would loot a body, come across this thing, boom, there's your three hour side quest while you figure your lives out <laughs> and get yourself back on. And you, you know, it clearly it didn't seem like I pulled it out of my ass. So... Yeah. The other thing that I would say is, it depends, like, how your session zero went. Yeah. If you sat down and talked to him and said, hey, we're going to do a really rough and gritty campaign across the plains fighting orcs. You're going to lose limbs. It's going to be dark and depressing. And then someone decides to show up with a flamboyant bard who's just like, who's a pixie bard who's just over there doing his own stuff. You can say to your player, you're allowed to break out and be like, the fuck? <laughs> the yeah. fuck right we had an agreement right in, in session zero you can play this guy now but he's going to go through a hell of a transformation and I'm going to target him for three episodes I'm not going to kill him I'm going to give him some horrid shit to deal with to bring him to the same level as everyone oh yeah else. for sure yeah, he's going to yeah, full right? Joaquin Phoenix Joker yeah, the end of this but, yeah but I mean uh, uh, conversely so looking forward to that movie. conversely if you're doing a really light and fluffy we're just going to hack at goblins campaign and you have the edgelord in the corner you can turn to them and be like look we all know that you want to be freaking strider for the first session but we got shit to do man yeah. like we're all on the same page over here be a part of the party yeah. right and we agreed on this yeah so if your session zero has kind of a social like a, a, a spoken agreement pull that Pull that out and just be like, hey, look, and spank your players with it. Pull that social contract out. Just don't fly by the seat of their pants. Remove their pants and spank them. Yeah. Spank the players. Yes. I agree. That will be the sound clip we pull out. That, no, that, that's going to be the sound clip we pull out. Dan, do you agree? What, why would we pull that out? That's a great... No, 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 no. Not pull it out as in remove it, as in, like, put that up on a pedestal so that everyone hears you oh, telling I'll everyone to spank their players. Oh, yeah. Uh, we absolutely... Spank your players. If you would like to watch me spank Dan, please contact him at Oscar underscore the underscore orc. Those are with K's. Absolutely. And, and if anyone's pulling anything out, it's going to be me. So th- there we go. While I spank children, Dan. This, yes? hey, look, it's my turn. I'm going to do. A, I'm going to roll a dice. See, I because you were talking about soundbite, but my joke. Yeah, was, no, I got it. I, I like a white dice, and it's a nine to my dick. <laughs> you don't get to read your own thing here. 
Uh, oh, Maddie Yangu. I'm going to say it again wrong. I, I got this this guy twice now. We're getting some repeats here. Uh, he asks, uh, how do you keep track of the economy as a whole? I know the guide has many options, but from the sheer freedom of this game, like you can pull goblin teeth or something and then redeem it at like a general store, right? It means that there are countless items making things hard. I'm planning a nautical campaign, so I'm thinking ships and economy will be an added difficulty. How do I handle this? Is anyone keeping track of the Canadian economy these days? That's the big <laughs> question, really. It is about as useful as a D&D bag of gold, where everyone just kind of carries it around, but nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> right? Um, I don't know, man. Like, I've, I've had... I, I do this terribly. Like, building an economy around your sessions, like, I, I admittedly, I just do poorly. I give way too much gold and way too much magic items. I'm okay with my party feeling like they are the wealthiest people in the room and actually being the wealthiest people in the room. I'm okay with that. Um, I'm okay with uh, showering them with uh, shiny new magic items or whatnot and giving them more than they can handle. Uh, the way I tempered that a little is my shops kind of have a set shopping list, right? And you're not going to find a plus five forple sword in random podunk nowhere um, in the general store there. You're just not. You're going to find farming supplies and climbing kits. And you might find a old beat up loot, as in a guitar. But that's it, right? Like, uh, just try to make sense of what your stores have available. If you're doing a nautical, nautical campaign, like you say you are, when they make it to that port town, remember, port towns are, uh, are there and they exist for the, uh, Distribution and uh, selling of trade goods and goods. in So poor towns are always more wealthy. There's always a magic shop. There's always these other things. But have set magic uh, item lists or have set lists for your city and bring them up as they go. Um, and try to make the game more about, like, your party's going to get wealthy. I'm okay with it. I just roll with it. Um, so that, I, I guess that's my advice. Like just try to make sense when you're building your shops and your stores, but kind of be okay with your party being a little wealthy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't mind them earlier levels kind of scrambling for gold a little bit. I think it encourages yeah. them to, to work on their social encounters more. With it also draws them into the campaign. Draws the, yeah, it draws them in a little bit more. Um, yeah, but in regards to economy, I would ask who are you doing it for? Like, again, something well, for session I, I, zero. I guess it's keeping your level six party away from your plus four, right? Like, at what point do you allow them to get plate mail? Mm-hmm. Do you do it right off set, right off of level one? No. Yeah, well, well right. I mean, I would have, well, I would have plate mail available in the world, but I think by the player's handbook, it costs 1200 gold pieces or something. Yeah. And they're not going to have 1200 gold pieces. Right, but, but how do you, like, at what point? How do you balance the loot that they're getting so that at this level they will get it? Like that's a lot to manage, right? Man? Yeah. And then and that's one of the reasons why I just I just don't manage it. Well, I think a lot of people don't manage it. I mean, the thing you guys know this. I'm guilty of just not putting shops up there. Yeah. Right. You guys find your items and you'll get gold to do like stronghold repairs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. It. I don't mind having shops. I like that because I like to do those encounters. You know, and I think that's how players 
characters can build allies and know people is, oh, I got a guy for that in that city, that shopkeep that we got to know quite well. He can also source us this and can get us this. And I think that sucks people into the campaign. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I just don't worry too much about it. Or I think I think a lot of people just kind of skim past it, right? Yeah, and again, I'm just saying, who are you who are you worrying about it for? Who are you doing it for? Because that sounds like something that that DM is passionate about. The players are probably not that bothered, you know. It, they're really not. I, I got I got two things. One, Matt Coville just did an episode. He's doing the Chain of Akron right now, and it's absolutely fantastic. It's I listen to his campaign diaries. I don't watch them live, but um, he talks in it about how he has this giant city. But in order for you to buy magic items, you have to go to curators. And you have to be invited in to be able to shop at their oh, shop. That's, oh, that's really I cool. like that. Yeah. So so you get like tickets or invitations in order to go and you walk in and you don't say, I want to I, I want how many wands of polymorph do you have? You say, This is what I'm looking for, and they will come up with, Well, we have this or this, I can't get that. You're going to have to wait a little while. I can source that out from a nearby town. And then maybe get back to you later. Yeah. And so there's a lot of that. Oh, so Maybe you could get invited to like a, a secret auction type yeah. thing as well. Yeah, for yeah, sure. So, that. so that's really cool. So that's I how he did it. a secret auction. Yeah, session. because like these – okay, let's talk about like these amazing items, this crazy staff or sword or whatever. They're not just walking – they're not just going to be in the shop. Yeah. They're, they're not in the, the front wall. window with a tag hanging Just look behind the – Ten foot poles over there, you'll find that plus three magic sword. Like it's not going to be there. It makes perfect sense that you would have to go to a specialty place, get invited to it, get in but, with the group. But at the same time, it there will be occasionally. You know that uh, we're all old, so the idea of walking into a record store or a CD store Sorry, or something like that. I am thirty one, Dan. We are all old, so when you walk into the store, you there would always be that one. Old man, I am not old. <laughs> You're older than me. Yeah, but you have kids, so you're aged three years per kid. Yeah. You are not wrong. <laughs> I do not you are not wrong. No, but there would be like that glass case that has like, this is the leather jacket that Lou Reed wore once, right? Like they have those kind of things. Yeah. I think your random magic, your random general store might have that item. It's like, oh, this is a, you know, tooth off a dragon that flew over the town once. And it's a magical item. It's a dragon's tooth. I always like the idea, too, that you pick it up and you get it home and you just cast Identify to be like, all right, what is this? And it was just carved out of an elephant tusk. Yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, so he asked this. Um, he sent us a private message about it. And I, I sniped this before you guys get a handle on it. And I gave him actual... Um, advice that I thought about for like a day. Yep. So I figured this is probably good for everybody. So I'm just going to read it out if that's right. okay. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Um, uh, point one, different shops and towns should have different economies and value things differently. If your characters are flush with money, just make shit more expensive at the next, at the bigger town, right? Mm. Like, uh, point two, do they already have too much, uh, gold? Give them lots of non-monetary consumable utility rewards, like potions that help and social encounters. Wands with limited charges of detection and protection and single-use magic items. The party will feel like they're being rewarded without causing too much imbalance. Uh, allow the party to buy a lot, and then a few sessions later, threaten their gear and force them to choose what they really want to keep. Uh, if you have the main antagonist do this, they'll hate him and not you as the DM. So I've done this more than once. I, mm. I've stolen your stuff more than once, Terry. Yeah. Um, establish early that riches come and riches go. Gift them a ship in session one, sink it in session three. Amen, brother. Yeah. Then tell them uh, all from a meta perspective that you're willing to give them anything they want, but also take it away. So use your items early and often. 
Uh, you keep on telling me to do that, and I you, keep on not you, doing it. Yes, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, if they're too rich, force them to pay for stabling or mooring and upkeep and NPC mercenaries. When they become poor, allow them to use their social graces to get deals, discounts, and charities. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I also like a good bounty as well. Yeah. Why are these murder hobos not being tracked by anything? Why is there not a reward for their heads? Why are there, why are there images not planted around that, that everyone in town is going, we get to keep all of their stuff? And get rewarded 10,000 gold pieces if we kill that. That is wizard. literally the subplot in my Tuesday group. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you want to give a lot of uh, GP, tell them in Session Zero that they can buy lots of buildings and establishments in a port city, maybe even some guilds of low-level NPCs eventually. This will give them ties to a home and a pit to sink money into. The businesses won't give extra income, but they will give fame. Mm-hmm. And that's actually something we never talk about in D&D, right, is reputation. Yeah. Um, and the last thing that I said was don't be afraid to add lots of pirates and bandits for random encounters and encourage them to bury treasure for safekeeping. But they have to record where on a map and then they have to protect the maps. Yeah. Don't give bags a holding if you're going to do this. Right? Yeah. So I also like put it in a bank. Right? Yeah. So it's in a vault. You can't just get it. You got to go back and get it. I yeah. think the bag of holding now in a campaign if you're a DM or a group that isn't going to enjoy this type of challenge that much, which I would. I like a sense of realism in my fantasy campaigns. Um, <laughs> the bag of holding just solves all problems, right? And so all of these things just don't become a problem. Yeah. It's, it's a bag of holding. And you have to know what's in there to get it out. Oh, well, shit. Now we don't have to worry about anything ever again. Um, I think it's overused too much. Write this down, Dan. No more bag of holding. No Why don't more you have bag a of holding. I, I, he pretended to write. I've got the pen. I'm ready to go. Okay. No more... You're actually on my table. Of shut up, Dan. Holding. Of holding. Write this down as well. Two other things I've been thinking about. Yeah. Why do we drive on parkways? You did not just write holding. Yeah, bag of holding. I did. I just yeah. I misspelled like every other word, but that was okay. Look, Uh, Dan, roll a die. That was me. That's okay. Oh, that was you. Oh, it's me. me. I'll go. Try red. Natural. Natural twenty. There it is. All right, hold on. I'm going to read it. At Efren.Mohajuri. I'm sorry already. We'll put it in the, we'll put it in the show notes. Put it. Wants to know how to make, how do you make players RP? Oh, that's a big keyword right there. You see that? Yeah. You said that. Um, whips. How do, Dan, again. I've, I've, see? I've already spoken about the spanking, but Dan's got to go to that place Dan again. Dan is bringing up the kinky stuff again. Um, okay. I'll, I'm going to make a couple of points. Number one, Erfan. 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 Number one, bruh. You can't make anyone RP. This is something you need to set up from session zero. Do your players want to role play? If they do, or if they're unsure, or if they're like, no, I don't know, maybe. Are you giving them a comfortable place to role play? Um, yeah, do they want to role play? And are you making it comfortable for them to do it? If you try and force somebody to do something that they don't want to do, they're going to shut down. Especially if they're nervous, heavily introverted, they don't feel comfortable in the first place, it's not going to happen. Do they want to RP or do you want them to RP? If you cover that in session zero, you'll know straight away if this is the group that you want to DM for or if you want to be in. But bottom line is you can't make anyone RP. You could also lead by example. I joked with the whips, but this is my actual answer. Lead by example. Um, Do your... uh, do your uh, social encounters, your combats, your everything else, and 
your monsters and everything else will do the role playing, like show them how it works. Because I find a lot of people who are afraid of role playing just don't want to look silly at the table. And if you give them an example of what it looks like and why it's not silly to do it, then they will be able to break out of that uh, hole that they have and shield that they've wrapped around themselves and try it out and like reward the little attempts even like if they're trying to do a persuade and they use a character voice for the first time Mm. make the persuade a little easier like make it a little bit more successful like you could fudge the numbers a little bit in that in that in that sense just to encourage them and reward them for role playing i just want to further what you're saying sorry i just want to further what you're saying because what you're what you're saying there really is that nobody wants to be the weird one at the table. Yeah. And, but if you're just RPing, if you're just doing it as the DM and you're not doing that thing where you're like, hey, no, it's okay. Hey, just try it. No, it's totally fine. When you say that, you think you're helping. But what you're actually saying is, hey, everybody's watching you do this. Okay. Don't worry about it. Everybody's just watching you. Mm-hmm. But if you just do it and if you just act normal and if you just act like it's not a thing, they will realize it's not a thing and they'll do it. Yeah, exactly. Or will be more likely to do it. Yeah. I actually, uh, my group that I've been playing with for 20 plus years, we, we don't do a lot of heavy role play. There's a couple of us that do, but for the most part, we're fairly mechanics heavy yep. as sessions. Um, and it wasn't really until I joined your guys' group where it was very role play heavy that I started to really fall in love with the process of becoming the character. Yeah. And then 10 sessions in, I had to stop playing that one guy that I fell in love with and start a new one. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so, uh, you knew what you were getting into. I knew I, what I was getting into. I just didn't realize it would really grip me as much. And, and since then, man, like, I love the I love this side of the game, and it's definitely my my more favorite side now. And and it's because I joined a group where, um, it was heavily used. Yeah, it like I sitting across the table from Sir Titus Hockridge, and watching him argue with Boar <laughs> again was brilliant. Right, and then like watching their reaction to one of the players coming back to life and appearing and really Redzu had just showed up and here's uh uh Eveline showing up as well and everyone's all like thanks for the help paladin monk you're here and like this established character showing up out of nowhere and like like the the interactions there were just absolutely incredible like there's legitimate excitement yeah there's legitimate passion to it yeah Yeah. right and because everyone else was role-playing it allowed you to do it yeah exactly um, I don't know. My answer would be threaten them with a purple saxophone. <laughs> Are you ever going to tell us what that is? I'll show you. you. No, no. I, I want a written description with no pictures. <laughs> There's something lost in just a description. It's more about, it's more about the, the feeling. It's about, yeah. It's, it's, and, and both the emotion and the sensation, right? So, like, yeah. it's... If I had to, if I had to describe, you guys go on tangents if, when it's my turn to roll the dice intentionally. If I had to describe the purple saxophone through interpretive music, it would sound like this. That that's fairly accurate. I, I wish that we could get everyone involved in that in that one thing. Like when it's only one voice. When honestly, if you're doing the purple saxophone correctly, you need about nine people. You do need about right? nine so, people. So so we need almost like a chorus of voices doing this. Oh. You guys can't see no, no careless whisper. No, no, you stop the careless whispering. 
you stop the careless whispering and uh, what is it? You got mail? And I'm never gonna dance again. Guilty feet, I've got no rhythm. <laughs> What's the next bit? Though it's easy to pretend, I know you're not a fool, Dan. So this has been our second mailbag episode. <laughs> I'm incredibly uncomfortable right Should now. Should have known better than to still going. a friend. All right, wait, 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 he's going to be our outro. He's like directing this at me. <laughs> so that, that's been our mailbag episode. Uh, thanks very much for uh, for tuning in. Send us more questions. We do this once every few months. Yeah. And we would absolutely love to have you giving us more to talk about, whether it is more about role-playing, mechanics, dance sexual preferences, whatever it is, let us know and we will happily conjecture about it. Look, we like Dungeons and Dragons, but we're also real people. We just like talking to you out there more than just Graham. Graham, we love you. <laughs> but we like the rest of you as well. But I, I just want to say one more time for everybody, uh, we do have this contest running, so let us know. Now that you've listened to this god-awful shit for the last how many, too many hours... What is Dan? What are, what is Terry? What am, what am I? Uh, when it comes to the races, the classes, the backgrounds, the spells, and the monsters, let us know. Send us messages and uh, post in the comments below. Send us an email. Whatever you need to do, DM us directly, uh, and we will vote. And we will be sending out at least an unpainted uh, mimic mini. Oh yeah, at right. Least. So like the the. I think there's two in the package for Nolzer's yep. Marvelous Miniatures, yeah, right? I'll sing to you as well. Yeah, yeah. Terry Terry will make a little theme song for you. You can put it on your on your outgoing message for your voicemail. Yeah, I take yeah. requests. Uh, you can find me at at sendnoobsdnd on Instagram. And you can find me at at Oscar underscore the underscore orc. Um, and those are with case. And I, I, I'm always amazed that Rusty Styrofoam is the easiest one out of You the should three. change it to Rusty Trombone after the purple saxophone. No, that would be lewd. You can find me at Rusty Styrofoam or all of us at It's a Mimic uh, on Instagram. You can also catch us at It's a Mimic D&D on uh, Twitter as well. We do have a Facebook page, so like, subscribe, follow. Check us out on YouTube. Uh, leave us iTunes reviews and uh, tell us uh, what you think that we are so that you can enter this contest. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to go bleach my mind, my eyes, and my ears. What are you now. talking about? Dan? I got to go find eight other people. Thank you for listening to It's a Mimic. Check us out online at itsamimic.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have questions you would like answered by the guys on the show? Send them an email to itsamimic at gmail.com. Tune in every Tuesday for more. Sex bomb, sex bomb, you're my sex bomb. You can give it to me when I need to be turned on. Come on, damn, work with me. No. <laughs> <laughs>